the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care about, questions about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about history, and we talk about prophecy. And, of course, we talk about current events. Happy to take your calls on any of those subjects, 303-873-1935. I guess we need to start uh, with an announcement at this 4 o'clock hour. All up and down the front range, there's a weather alert. And um, I don't know what it's like from, well, let's say from Fort Collins all the way down to Colorado Springs, but it is cold, cold, cold. Weather conditions are very, very difficult on the roads. On my way over, there were literally cars uh, flipped over. And so some church uh, services are, um, well, they're they're not meeting. Classes and groups that have been um, scheduled to meet, some of them are experiencing some cancellations. I received a note from my friends at Cherry Hills Community Church that um, because of this weather, Classes and groups have been canceled for tonight, January 19th. They're instructing the people who go to that church to stay home and to stay safe. And if you're listening right now as you're driving around, I'm hoping and praying that you are staying safe. And please, please, please drive carefully. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. Many of you probably know that the President of the United States has been um, addressing the nation and talking about, um, well, his party's failure to uh, pass their Build Back Better plan and um, also... um, the, basically, he's 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 saying that despite um, not passing his massive social safety net and climate bill, that he is uh, he told reporters that he believes Congress can pass chunks of his social safety net and climate spending change, and so they're they're going to come back with a different strategy, and of course. Um, he also cited um, the reason why that there are greater gas prices and food prices. Um, he's basically saying he cited lower prices for prescription drugs, which seems counterintuitive to me because last week um, I was diagnosed with COVID-19 and then experienced COVID pneumonia. And... Um, was prescribed a drug that's normally $9 that cost $100. And so I don't know about you. Is inflation a problem? Are prescription drugs a problem? Is gas a problem? Is food a problem? 
But that's neither here nor there. Um, the president conceded that um, his team could have done more to ramp up testing. So, again, I don't know if you've listened to any part of the president's um, press release, but I'm sure that many, many people are going to be talking about uh, what the president's saying, what the president's planning to do, and how it's going to affect me and how it's going to affect you. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. There are a couple of things in the news that I do want to bring to your attention. Um, And one of them is after the Supreme Court uh, basically threw out the vaccine mandate for companies that have more than 100 people, Starbucks, of all people, they're not a bastion of 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 conservatism. Uh, they've thrown out the vaccine mandate for their employees, which I find interesting, both from a social and an ideological standpoint. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And again, you know, people who are embracing incrementalism. Um, have suggested that 10,000 unborn lives have been saved in six months under the Texas heartbeat heartbeat ban, according to the pro-life group. There was um, a a groundbreaking Texas law that's being challenged in the Supreme Court that allegedly has saved some 10,000 unborn lives since going into effect in September. The law is known as the Texas Heartbeat Act, required abortion doctors to test for a heartbeat and prohibited an abortion if one is detected. Opponents of the law have have found it difficult to challenge in court because state officials aren't given enforcement power under the law's text. Instead, the law gives enforcement authority to citizens who are allowed to sue abortion doctors who violate it. That's my understanding that a few doctors have, in fact, taken up the challenge, killed children, and invited citizens to sue them. And that's exactly what's happened. Now, an unborn baby typically has a heartbeat around six weeks of pregnancy. And a spokesperson for the Texas Right to Life told Christian Headlines this week that the group estimates between ten and 13,000 unborn babies have been saved since it went into effect on September 1st. The organization also estimates that the law is saving about 100 babies daily. And again, I'm absolutely thrilled that that's happening, if it is in fact happening, and absolutely heartbroken that babies continued to be killed in New York, in Colorado, California. The United States... um, Supreme Court in December declined the Biden administration's request to block the law, although the justices allowed abortion providers to continue their lawsuit against four state government employees. But even the narrow legal path green-lighted by the Supreme Court has proven frustrating for abortion providers to follow. More than a month after the high court issued its ruling, the law remains in effect. And so the latest legal loss by abortion providers came last week 
when the United States Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in a two-to-one decision sent the case to the Texas Supreme Court instead of the federal district judge who previously had blocked the law, abortion clinics had asked the Fifth Circuit to send the case to the judge. Now, the Fifth Circuit's decision means that the law could remain in effect for months, if not permanently. The United States Supreme Court is considering a separate case that might lead to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Now, again, after almost 60 years, no, it's got to be less than that because 1973 wasn't 60 years ago. It's got to be 50 years ago. Close to it. Yeah, this is 2022. Um, Ed Whelan, a distinguished senior fellow for the Ethics and Public Policy Center, said the Fifth Circuit's decision was the right one. The Texas Supreme Court, he tweeted, is the authoritative interpreter of Texas law. And so... Texas right to life called the Fifth Circuit action great news because it was more likely to ensure a just and favorable ruling compared to that which would be expected from pro-abortion federal district judge. Beyond this, sending the lawsuit to the Supreme Court of Texas is appropriate because the only defendants left in the case are the state agencies, unquote. And so... The debate continues. Some lives appear to be lost. Some appear to be saved. But it still is a tragedy. This is Gina Geraci. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. If you don't want to join me on the program, the number is... Uh, 303-873-1935. Open Doors USA has released their 2022 World Watch list. And uh, what's interesting about this, this is the list that basically documents um, the worst persecutors of Christians around the world. And at the top of that list, I'm going to suggest for decades— has been North Korea. North Korea has for decades led the list as the worst place on planet Earth for Christians to be. But it lost first place on the 2022 World Watch list to Afghanistan. That's right. Afghanistan has now made the list as the number one persecutor of Christians on planet Earth. And um, according to the list, over 360 million Christians worldwide are suffering some form of profound persecution. That's one in seven. That's one in every seven Christians on the Earth. And so this morning, um, Open Doors released their 2022 World Watch List, the annual ranking of the top 50 countries where it's most dangerous to be a Christian. And um, the facts that this research reveals are truly incredible. They're unbelievable. They're staggering. Modern-day Christian persecution is the highest, listen carefully, that it's ever been with 2021 seeing 
more Christians under fire in Afghanistan, Iran, Nigeria, India, and more. Now, yesterday I talked about the complete commitment on the part of the Canadian government to just literally set aside historical biblical Christianity. But it's important that we know this, and this is why there is a free world watch prayer list that I would encourage each and every person to uh, go to. And if you want to find out more about it, you can just go to opendoorsusa.org. You'll see the world watch list. You can click on um, the statement where it says, discover the 50 places where faith in Jesus costs the most. And um, as you read through it, you can remember the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. If one part of the body of Christ suffers, every part suffers with it. And um, so, again, I want to just encourage you. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And... Just a couple more things about that. Um, again, you can go to Open Doors. They're going to give you the information. Also, at Faithwire and um, I want to say Christian Headlines, there's a, a number of people who are reporting on this issue. So there's lots that we could talk about. Now, obviously, what the world watch list reveals, not only is it a problem to be a Christian in Afghanistan, but it also reveals the chaotic condition of the country. Now, it would be unfair, I think, to blame the chaos in Afghanistan solely and simply on the current administration. Afghanistan has been a problem for a very, very, very long time. But again, um, many people who have left the country have left Christians not just simply at risk, but at risk for death. It says, quote, at, this is at faithwire.com, quote, many people are aware of what's happened since August in Afghanistan. This according to, um, to Open Door CEO David Curry. And you know what, um, Jim Nelson, I, I know that we have access to Jim Curry, and we might see what we can do about having him on the program to talk about this. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit later about um, his contact information and all of that stuff. But Jim Curry said many people are aware of what's going on. He said, citing the chaos and the uncertainty, he said, quote, it has emboldened Islamic extremists in other parts of the world. We believe it's having a ripple effect. Christians in Afghanistan face intensifying persecution at the hands of the resurgent Taliban, with militants purportedly arresting, possibly seeking to kill believers. Christians, Christian women in particular, are especially vulnerable, as are any who are seen as 
ideological enemies. And the director of um, of Open Door said, and I quote, they're going to be targeted. And um, again, though dethroned as the top stronghold of persecution, North Korea still occupies the number two spot. And there's no sign that the chaos and targeted hatred perpetuated by the leader Kim Jong-un and his restrictive government is going to cease or desist or become less. Again, the the director of Open, um, Open Door says, and I quote, uh, for 20 years, North Korea was number one. They have a post-communist system that's been generational. They've now lifted Kim Jong-un as the dictator. People are forced to worship him, unquote. He continued, he says, it's clear that they don't want any other faith except the worship of their leader and the communist system. They control all the means of life, unquote. Now, again, this is the inevitable direction of rebellion against God and rejection of biblical principles and the rejection of what it means to be human. Marriage, love, you name it, fill in the blank. He continued, he said, that government control persists over necessities like food and medical care. And this systematic control has led to mass starvation for the general populace. That's right, in North Korea and in Afghanistan. Christians are many times the last people to get food, and sometimes they're simply put in labor camps or relegated to remote areas because of their faith in Jesus. Curry said that the 2022 World Watch list shows from a large scale the strength of extremism around the world. And again, when you talk about extremism, what we're talking about are totalitarian dictatorships like North Korea, like Afghanistan. Curry said, when you look at the top 10 countries that are on the list, Afghanistan, Somalia, Yemen. You even have India on the list, which is number 10. These are there on the world watch list because these countries have extremist groups which are either running the government or influencing the government and culture in these countries in such a way that it's not safe to practice your faith. Now, based on that statement, too, if we ask and we answer the question, who, who's, who's controlling the United States government, the state government, the local government? This is Gino Dracy inviting you to call 303 873 1935. I'll have more when we come back. 303 873 1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number, if you want to join me, it's 303 873 1935. 303 873 1935. We know that the Bible says, Jesus said to himself in Matthew 510. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, right after that, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward that's in heaven. Now, again, at uh, at Open Doors, when they're doing a faithful assessment of what's going on, one in seven Christians um, are experiencing a kind of oppressive um, persecution that's 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 profound, and. Um, we remember in Romans eight thirty eight and 39, it says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In first Peter chapter three fourteen, it says, and even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 14, it says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And uh, China is also one of the major players in the world watch list. And I know that China, of course, has made headlines once again for many reasons, including the fact that uh, that a, um, a, I guess a former either owner or part owner of um, of a California basketball team said nobody cares about the Uyghurs. These are a group of Muslims who are being um, not only persecuted but imprisoned in Chinese labor camps. Now, it isn't just Islam, China is on this list, even though they're number 17 on the list, despite not being in the top 10, uh, Curry explains why the Chinese government action should be deeply concerning, not just to Christians, but to everyone in the United States of America. He said, quote, their system and their technology is the greatest threat right now overall in the future of religious expression. Now pause and think about that because of their system and technology, because they have the ability to isolate access target and then persecute. He said, likening the method method methodical restrictions to he, to a high tech noose around the neck of expression of faith. This again, according to Curry from open doors which I think is exactly right. In other words, what we're seeing is a picture where this government is able to put the technological noose around the necks of those people who refuse to cooperate with the Chinese Communist Party. Curry said they have intel. He said that the Chinese government has hampered the efforts of almost every church, forcing houses of worship 
to break into groups and to shut down. Christians are at risk of losing their jobs. Um, They have travel restrictions and even worse. So there's more and more and more. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. How are you? Doing good. I've got a couple questions for you regarding uh, two parables in particular. But from Matthew 13, there's the parable about the yeast and the mustard seed. And every connotation of leaven being used as a parable throughout either the Old Testament or or New Testament, even Jesus' uh, reference to the Pharisees as being don't listen to the leaven, right. is negative. But it would appear that that is a positive for growth. And then I have another question about the, the a parable shortly thereafter about the hidden treasure. Yeah, let's start with the parable of the mustard seed just real quick. My, my my pastor, Chuck Smith, basically said, don't even attempt to teach the parables unless you've been teaching for about 10 years. And I didn't understand that until I had been teaching for about 10 years. The, <laughs> the, the, the parables, remember, it's an earthly story that illustrates a heavenly truth. But one of the nuances of the parable is 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 that that not every element in the parable becomes central, if you will. And so when we ask and we answer the question, what is the big idea? You know, in other words, do parables have multiple ideas or do they typically have a big idea that's being, you know, supported by the story, if you will. Uh-huh. And and so part of, part of the challenge is when you're looking at the narrative details and uh-huh. we ask and we answer the question, well, what, how, how does this both challenge or inform or help me to draw a conclusion both about the meaning of the parable and how to interpret the, the, the parable and how to apply the, the parable? Here's the problem. When you overemphasize the details, it usually leads to interpretive errors. Now, you'll remember the parable of the mustard seed that you just brought up is really short. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in the branches in Matthew 13. Now, one of the possible practical reasons that Jesus obviously is using these parables, he's depicting concepts in word pictures um, uh, so that the message isn't lost typically to word, um, I'm going to use the word degradation. Now, we know that words change. We know that cultures change, technology changes, blah, blah, blah. Right. But but we also know that in most cultures, words had – they were meaningful. They yes. meant something. And so the parable of the mustard seed is in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Jesus is predicting this growth of the kingdom of heaven. Right. The mustard seed is small, but it grows into a large shrub up to uh-huh. 10 feet in height. And Jesus, and uh, have you been to Israel? I will be in March. Well, I hope you get to go. I, we've we've we canceled do. and rescheduled four different times. 
And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope you really do get to go. Um, I'm not optimistic, and I don't mean that to be a downer. But I do mean it to mean once you get there, especially in March, you can see mustard shrubs uh-huh. and seeds, and they uh-huh. really are pretty small. So the point of the parable of the mustard seed is something big and blessed. The kingdom of God has humble beginnings. And how significant could the short ministry of Christ be that he has this handful of followers who don't really, who you know, they're, they're, they're not the movers and the shakers. Um, so the life and death of Jesus doesn't catch up to the world's attention and what looks like an inconsequential yeah. view is going to have a worldwide influence. It, and it so, definitely has. But right. I guess I went to a uh, to a commentary by Warren Wisby. Yeah, he's great. And and on the for the leaven, he referred to it as being very negative. It could be the explosive growth of some satanic influences within the church. And, I, and and again, part of what Wiersbe's rightly doing is saying, hey, when the scriptures use a particular imagery so often, we can't be dismissive of that imagery. Paul, you hold on, okay? This is Gino Geraci. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. We're talking with Stephen and Frederick. And um, about Matthew 13 and some of these parables. And you brought up Warren Wiersbe, who I respect immensely. He was a mentor and a uh, a person who I loved deeply and learned from um, profusely. And I think he is the most excellent um, interpreter, if you will, of the parables in for us, I mean, for me personally, as I'm trying to think of a simple, but also, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, in context. So in, in Matthew 13, Wearsby, Wearsby believed that Matthew 13 um, sets the tone for the, not just for the setting but the reason for the parable. So in Matthew 13, according to Wearsby, he, he sees the context that the rebellion against Jesus has reached its peak. He, he turns from the nation to anyone who will come to him in Matthew chapter 11. So the big question was, what about the kingdom? What about the kingdom now that the king has been refused? So in, in Wearsby's theology and worldview, Jesus has come to Israel to be their king and their Messiah. And in his worldview and his theology, they have refused him. But the answer to the question, well, what about the kingdom in this refusal is Matthew 13. So Jesus is outlining the mysteries of the kingdom and explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like in the present age. And so this is one of the key, key concepts. The key, key concepts is, well, how are we to think about this? And that's part of the way to think about it. It's the kingdom of heaven in this present age. In the present world. Right. So he's giving the setting of the parables 
in verse 1, and then he's given the human reason for the parables in verses 10 through 17, um, because the condition of people's heart made it necessary for Jesus to use parables. Remember, a familiar story um, to explain something unfamiliar. And then back to what we're talking about, that Jesus fulfills the prophecy in, in verses 34 and 35. So he's using the parables, hearts, ears, eyes. Um, he's, he's exciting the curiosity. In, in my view, what, what the parable is meant to do is to reveal to people who want to know, but to conceal from people who refuse to know. And is so, there, is there also additional layers that we that we are given additional understanding the longer we've been in the Word and understand and study the parables? I think that the layers again here here you have kind of hermeneutic principles, if you will, yeah. and the hermeneutic principle is oddly enough the exact opposite of layered. It's usually the clear and compelling reason. That becomes the reason. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Okay. Jesus is explaining the terms, um, usually for the symbols or the uh-huh. mysteries. Um, he's, he, he's you, you know, when we're talking about um, in, in Matthew 13, that the kingdom begins with the sowing of the word in Christ's day and then continues till the end of the age. So... So he uses symbols. The man is Christ, verse 37. The seed of the believers, children in the kingdom, verse 38. The field is the world, verse 38. The enemy is Satan, verse 39. The tares are the children of the devil, verse 38. The reapers are angels, verse 39. The harvest is the end of the age, in verse 39. It's, it's very, very helpful when Jesus himself says, this is it. This is what it is. Now, yeah. what do we do, what do, we do <laughs> when he doesn't? When he doesn't say, well, could you, could you sort of spell it out for us? Yeah. Could, you spe- could you spell it out for us? Gotcha. Now, again, in the spelling out, now we have the underlying interpretive reason for the parable. If it's meant to reveal to some and conceal to others... How does he do that? Usually it's because it's one of the parables that where the symbols aren't answered, aren't explained. Yeah. It, Cassie, but one of the other parables then, the hidden treasure is one that just really has baffled me. Because it never talks about ever revealing the hidden treasure after the, the field is bought. Number now, the one. treasure that you're talking about is in verse 44. Right. So the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Now, according to Wearsby, this is um, it, it says the field is the world. Uh-huh. And so according to Wearsby in verse 44, is the treasure Israel? Israel, yes. Now, and it's been covered up for all these years, and it's waiting to be uncovered in the end times. And right. That totally escaped me. It's like whoa. Right, and and so, but but again, the the, the and that would make sense. Now, again, remember, Wearsby is going on the assumption 
that there's a con- there's a context for the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And so he's, you know, in the individual, you have the sower. In the world, you have the explanation why parables. And then you have the explanation of the tares in verses 36 through 43. Mm-hmm. And um, but you also have a public. The, the the public are there. They're by the seaside. The, then you see human beings' ability to see. That's failure. And then there's the private interpretation. Um, so the the way that I would think about it is, again, he he talks about Satan's opposition in the parable of the sower. Um, he talks about, um, that Satan snatches the seeds, uh, starves the plant and sometimes smothers the fruit. And uh, again, there's big, there's a big idea. There's a big idea. So I guess to your, to your question about the layers, the way that I would say it is, is there a main lesson in the parable? I'm going to suggest to you. Yeah. Um, are there other lessons? Because <laughs> <laughs> back to the to the leaven and the yeast, that could be because uh, you know Paul talks about the fact that there'll come a day when we will not listen to sound doctrine, and we'll listen to and assemble people that have doctrine that tickle our ears. That could very well be the prosperity gospel today that has blossomed in certain areas. Look at Joel Olstein's church, right? And 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 so again, just like what you just said, leaven in the Bible does it have multiple meanings, or yeah. does it have a singular symbol? Now the way the way that I would put it is, it's when it's mentioned in the New Testament, Jesus compares the false teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees to leaven. And then the Pharisees come to Jesus to test him in verse 1 of chapter 16. But Jesus perceives their intent and the state of their heart. He warns the disciples about being taken in by their teaching, and he compares it to leaven, and that a small portion of the leaven of falsehood can permeate a person's heart and mind. So we have to ask and answer that question. You know, Paul warns the Corinthian church about tolerating sin using leaven as a metaphor. But then what do you do when you have a mixed metaphor where he uses leaven in a different sense? The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman takes and mix into about 60 pounds of flour until it works through all the dough. In this case, leaven. So here's the challenge. Does that mean it's used as a symbol of evil or is it used as a symbol of something invisible and unseen that begins to permeate the whole? Interesting. So that's the challenge. The challenge is asking and answering the question, how do we think about that? Do we think about it contextually? And, and is there the possibility that it has different meanings? Hey, thank you for your call, though. Well, you're welcome, Gino. Thank you for your, for your answer. <laughs> Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.